Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs. Merci d'avoir patienté et bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique des résultats du troisième trimestre 2021 de 5N+. Présentement, les lignes des participants sont en mode d'écoute seulement. Après la présentation, il y aura une période des questions et réponses. Pour poser une question, appuyez sur étoile et le 1 de votre clavier téléphonique. Si vous avez besoin d'assistance, veuillez appuyer sur étoile 0. Je vais maintenant céder la parole à Richard Perron, Chef de la Direction Financière. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the 5N Plus Inc. Third Quarter 2021 Results Conference Call. At this time, note that all participants are in listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during this session, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone. And if you require operator assistance, please press star 0. I would like to turn the conference over to your speaker today, Richard Perron, Chief Financial Officer. Please go ahead, sir. Bonjour à toutes et à tous. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining our third quarter ended September 30th, 2021 Financial Results Conference Call. We'll begin with an overview of our business performance, the review of our financial results, and the allied of key strategic teams, after which we'll begin the question period. Joining me this morning is Arjan Roshan, our President and Chief Executive Officer. We issued yesterday our financial statements, and we have posted a short presentation on the investors section of our website. I would like to draw your attention to slide two of the presentation. Information in this presentation and remarks made by the speakers today will contain statements about expected future events and financial results that are forward-looking and therefore subject to risk and uncertainties. A detailed description of our risk factors that may affect future results is contained in our management discussion analysis of 2020, dated February 23rd. 2021, available on our website and in public filings, with an update in the current quarter and the ending. In the analysis of our quarterly results, you will note that we use and discuss other non-IFRS measures, which definitions may differ from those used by other companies. For further information, please refer to our management discussion and analysis. I would, like now to, I would now like to turn the conference to Arjan for the discussion on the business performance and quarter results. AJ. Thank you, Richard. Bonjour, Madame et Monsieur. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be with you from our headquarters in Montreal. This morning, I will start with the analysis of the company's performance during the quarter. Richard will follow with financial analysis. Before taking your questions, I will come back and uh, highlight some of the items in focus. Looking at our company's performance during Q3, three items stand out. Number one, 5M Plus's revenue during the quarter grew by 28% as compared to the same period last year. Earnings, number two, earnings and uh, margins were adversely impacted by increased costs from uh, freight and consumables due to challenges associated with global supply chain. And number three, after a long and thorough vetting process, European authorities have approved 
uh, approve acquisition of Azure Space by 5M Plus. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay, so now let's uh, let's add a bit of, a bit more color uh, to these uh, to these themes. In the in the last uh, webcast, we said going forward, revenue growth would be an important KPI. The 28% revenue growth uh, during the quarter is attributed to the performance of eco-friendly materials with strong demand across all sectors. While the demand for industrial, catalytic, and extractive was supported by a continued recovery from the pandemic, the demand for our pharmaceutical and health products were exceptionally strong. Revenue for electronic materials was lower in Q3 uh, as compared to the same period last year with lower contributions from renewable energy and medical imaging. In renewable energy, consistent with our previous communications, we've taken measures to discourage undue speculative activities related to the tellurium uh, metal purchases within tellurium markets. A notable portion of the thin film photovoltaic or solar power uh, systems produced by our customers rely on such, uh, on such metal. As you may recall, earlier this year, uh, notations for this metal surged without additional industrial slash product uh, demands supporting it. To bring a degree of equilibrium to the market, uh, we've held back on uh, we've held back, uh, or in certain cases, actually deferred select purchases along with uh, revenue recognition events. We expect this situation to remain unchanged in Q4. In medical imaging, we are extremely encouraged by the recent developments in announcements by, by major OEMs identifying PCD-based technologies, uh, photon counting detector, that's PCD-based technologies, as the wave of the future. Uh, as a major supplier of semiconductor compounds for PCD applications, 5N Plus is uniquely positioned to benefit from a shift from uh, current technology to PCD. In the meanwhile, uh, 5N Plus has been developing wafering technologies to convert its own compound semiconductor materials to wafers which form the critical core of PCD imaging detectors. The recent announcement around the longstanding joint program between 5M Plus and Samsung, along with the long-term supply agreement between the two companies, signal 5M Plus's entry into this market with not only engineered compounds, but also engineered substrates. Furthermore, these developments give credence to the efficacy of our company's expanded technology portfolio for medical imaging. The recent announcements by major OEMs and our own market data assumes the ramp up for PCD-based medical imaging devices to start by 2025. Between now and then, many uh, stakeholders, including 5M Plus, will be focused on further development activities, including qualification campaigns, regulatory approval processes. Last year, the demand for detector materials was supported by the initial buildup of the fleet of PCD-based medical imaging devices required for these regulatory campaigns. This demand 
had a notable positive impact on our PNL. For uh, for uh, this year, we've started, we've stated that we expect a more muted demand from this activity, and the company's performance in Q3 has been in line with that expectation. In space, over the past two quarters, we've experienced growth in revenue as compared to the same period last year. Going forward, this is supported by a strong order book. There are indications that the space industry is finally beginning to move to its up cycle, and we expect to also increase our market penetration supported by enhancements in our products and production systems, which have been under development for the past two years and supported by key partners and investments. As a general reminder, and to make sure we keep the discussions grounded, we should mention that metal notations do impact uh, revenue development and some of the overall revenue growth during the quarter can be attributed to higher metal notations as compared to the same period last year. This said, less than 30% of the revenue growth during this quarter was attributed to the increase in notations. The remainder was uh, demand-driven and independent of any planned price adjustments to mitigate cost increases due to the current supply chain challenges. Having addressed the top line, uh, the top line performance, let's talk about earnings. Global supply chain challenges provided some headwinds during the quarter. I believe many companies are facing these headwinds. In the case of 5N Plus, the cost associated with freight shipment uh, has jumped dramatically to about three to five times. In the case of consumables, we're witnessing notable price increases, partly due to energy price hikes, especially in natural gas in Europe. Despite strong demand and revenue growth, the increased costs associated with the current challenges in the supply chain had a notable impact on our earnings in Q3. To provide some level of quantification, when we compare adjusted EBITDA of Q3 2021 to Q3 2020, international freight and consumables account for about 1.5 million of the gap. In addition, in Q3 of last year, 5N Plus received non-recurring government subsidies totaling $1.2 million. Adjusting for these three factors alone would place EBITDA in Q3 2021 in line with Q3 2020, so the same period last year. Meanwhile, our commercial teams are engaging with various customers to address the added costs imposed by the global supply chain challenges. As you may recall, our, our commercial contracts are a mix of long-term and short-term, or in some cases, spot contracts. We are anticipating <clears throat> and experiencing more success adjusting pricing in the short and spot contracts. Therefore, uh, in the short term, we do not believe we will be able to fully recover the additional costs. Over the midterm, we believe we are making prudent investments to make our company more resilient against global supply chain challenges. The recently announced investment of $8.5 million in Montreal, in our Montreal campus, 
will not only consolidate a portion of our supply chain and simplify logistical challenges, but will also reduce unit cost of production and require less working capital. Another example is the 10 million investment package mainly targeting our eco-friendly plants in Europe and China, which was completed late last year and is beginning to bear fruit. This package of investments, among other things, is improving pro uh, production yields and requiring less consumables per unit of output. I think you agree that the timing for such investments could not have been better. Given these efforts, beyond the short-term impact, we expect the compression of margins to decompress. <clears throat> The third item that I would like to address is the acquisition of Azure Space. In March of this year, we announced 5M Plus's intention to acquire Azure Space. Given the sensitivity and novelty of the technology associated with, with acquisition uh, and Azure's uh, strategic position within the supply chain, the transaction required vetting and approval by the European authorities. At the time of, uh, of the announcement, we could not commit to a specific timeline given the increased scrutiny by regulatory bodies in a number of jurisdictions and, a new, and, and new procedures related to strategic and national security assets. Out of abundance of caution, we did indicate that we hoped for an expedient process, but the dossier could prolongate well into fall of 2021. In the meanwhile, we protected for this delay in the lower range of adjusted EBITDA guidance provided in Q1. Well, the process did take the long path, uh, eight months to be, to be exact, and the transaction was closely scrutinized by a number of agencies to ensure 5M Plus is the appropriate suitor for Azure Space. While over the past several months, this has caused delays, we're pleased by the outcome of the process. We believe this level of intense scrutiny only confirms the importance and relevance of Azure Space and the criticality of the technology portfolio. We have always seen Azure as more than a space company and beyond the coveted space business. The company's demonstrated capability and success in 3.5 semiconductor materials along with its cutting edge space technology is well positioned to address much larger markets, including high power electronics, advanced communications, electrification, renewable energy, and more. Looking beyond the short and medium term, this acquisition clearly heralds a new era in our company's history. Much of the work performed over the last several years by our global teams have been to move our company away from commodity-focused businesses while planting the organic seeds of growth opportunities in advanced materials. Azure's acquisition catapults 5M Plus well into the cauldron of advanced material technology with access to specific growth markets of the future with unique products and value propositions. Last, but certainly not least, we are elated by the pool of outstanding talent our company gains with this acquisition. I will now turn the call over to Richard for financial review. <coughs> so good morning, everyone. Um, as mentioned by AG, in the third quarter, the company delivered significant revenue growth on their eco-friendly materials, 
delivering another solid performance despite global operating cost inflation accentuated by the global pandemic, notably for international freight and consumables. As well to previous quarters, electronic materials perform in line with the company's expectations with lower contributions from products related to medical imaging and renewable energy. Keystone of the company's strategic transformation toward critical material technology, Pion Plus recently received the necessary approval from the regulatory agencies to acquire all of the issued and outstanding shares of other space. And for the near term, the acquisition and successful integration of Azure will be a key priority. This transformational transaction will uniquely position 5N within the specialty semiconductor space. Fine Plus continues to carefully align its business development, emphasizing higher value-added products and better margins, allowing the company to deliver solid results despite unforeseeable factors, progressively increasing its addressable markets. While taking purposeful and truthful actions to support the business simplification along its strategic transformation. So now starting with the coverage of revenue gross margin, followed by adjusted EBITDA and earnings. Revenue in Q3 increased by 28%, reaching 50.8 million compared to 39.9 million in the same period last year, favorably impacted by our demand under the eco-friendly material segment. Gross margin in Q3 was 10.8 million, 21.3%. Impacted by inflation, it will be for international freight as well as consumables. While on a year-to-date basis, gross margin was 34.3 million or 23.6% compared to 37.2 or 28.4 in the previous year. Adjusted EBITDA in Q3 reached 5.5 million compared to 7.7 million in Q3 of last year. Impacted by an unfavorable sales mix under electronic materials, materially higher costs for international freight and consumables, partially mitigated by increased sales and the solid performance under eco-friendly materials. On a year-to-date basis, adjusted EBITDA was 18.2 million compared to 22.2 million last year, for the same reasons just mentioned. On a year-to-date basis, net earnings were 2.1 million or three cents per share. Now looking at analyzed backlog, backlog on September 30th represented 174 days of analyzed revenue, a decrease of 25 days or 13% over the backlog of June, impacted by the renewal pattern of virus contracts occurring in Q4 and Q1. Backlog on September 30th for the electronic material segment increased by 79 days versus Q3 of last year. The eco-friendly material segment decreased by 49 days compared to September of last year, reaching 134 days, impacted by the renewal pattern. Quickly going through the expenses, depreciation amortization in Q3 and year to date amounted to 3.8.2 million compared to 3.9.1 million for the same period of last year. SG&A expenses in Q3 and year-to-date of this year were 4.7 and 14.9 million, compared to 4.5 and 14 million for the same periods in 2020. The expenses in year-to-date 2020 were positively impacted by lower travel and consulting expenses, either avoided or delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. For litigation and restructuring costs or income, in Q3 2020, the company made the decision to consolidate selected activities and close one of its subsidiaries located in Asia. A provision for restructuring costs was recorded then with an additional 0.5 million in Q3 of this year, consisting of seven cents and other costs related to the site closure. The company also recorded an impairment charge on non-recurring assets back then and impairment of specific production equipment related to the site. Financial expense in Q3 amounted to 0.8 compared to 1.6 million for Q3 of last year. The positive impact is mainly due to a gain in foreign exchange and derivatives compared to a loss in the same period last year, 
while the interest on long-term debt, computer interest, and other interest expenses were at similar levels for both periods. On a year-to-date basis, financial expense amounted to 1.9 compared to 4.5 last year. The company reported earnings before income taxes of 1.2 in Q3 and 6.4 on a year-to-date basis. Income tax expense in Q3 and year-to-date were 2 and 4.3 million respectively compared to 2.8 and 3.4 million for the same periods of last year. Both pairs were impacted by different tax assets applicable only in certain jurisdictions. Curving liquidity in Q3, cash generated by operating activities amounted to 5.2 million compared to 2.3 million for the same quarter last year. In Q3 of this year, cash used in investing activities totaled 2.3 compared to 2 million last year. On a year-to-date basis, cash used in investing activities totaled 7.3 million compared to 6.1 million last year mainly attributed to the acquisition of a minor equity stake in Microbeon earlier this year. In Q3 of this year, cash used in financing amounted to 0.2 compared to 0.8 last year. On a year-to-date basis, cash used in financing activities was 6.7 compared to 2.8 last year. The increase explained by the reimbursement earlier this year of our credit line for $5 million. Now looking at gross and net debt, total debt increased by 5.1 person and uh, decreased by 5.1 million and stood at 45 million compared to 50 million at the end of December 2020. Net debt, after considering cash and cash equivalent, ended at 11.8 million on September from 10 million um, at the end of last year. So this will conclude the financial review. Let me turn back to AJ for the highlight of key strategic teams, after which we'll be taking questions from analysts. Thanks, Richard. Before we move to your questions, please allow me to comment on a few items. Uh, we believe we will end the year with adjusted EBITDA in the range of 25 to 27 million. This number carries the following assumptions. Uh, that the headwinds from the global supply chain will remain intact. As we mentioned earlier, most industry pundits believe this will be with us well into 2022 that the sales mix will remain somewhat consistent with the past three quarters, uh, and that the contribution from Azure will be based on less than two months in 2021. To add further color to the last point, please note that revenue recognition for space is lumpy by nature as the business runs uh, like a series of uh, projects and activities uh, uh, and, and they're organized in increments. Our <clears throat> guidance assumes project completion, favorable uh, revenue recognition for Q4 of this year. So we assume that uh, it will be um, favorably asymmetric toward Q4 of this year. After 2015, and up to 2020, our primary focus had been on margin improvement while reducing exposure to commodity-based businesses. This inherently resulted in revenue reduction from 311 million in 2015 to 177 million in 2020. At the same time, EBITDA surged from 4.3 million or 1.4% of sales in 2015 to 28.8 million or 16.2% of sales in 2020. Going forward, we will continue to shed commodity revenues when it makes sense. However, starting this year, we've begun to shift our focus toward revenue growth. 
absent Azure's contributions in 2021 and independent of any benefit from metal notations, we expect the year to deliver revenue growth, which is a first since many years. Azure's contributions will only enhance this picture. Given the fact that we're converting nearly half of our current total addressable market, or TAM, to revenue, future meaningful revenue growth will require enlargement of our TAM. We aim to enlarge our total addressable market through both organic and external or M&A initiatives. Many of you are familiar with the organic initiatives which are progressing. These include but are not limited to semiconductor products for sensing, security and medical imaging applications, new health and pharma products, and engineered powders. <clears throat> These products are currently under development with many uh, of them undergoing customer qualification campaigns and regulatory approval processes. We are excited and are committed to develop these new markets and recognize that a ramp up to mass production and thus notable revenue growth is still a few years away. In the meanwhile, we are utilizing M&A as a path to address revenue growth over the next few years. The acquisition of Azure is a tangible step in that direction. In addition to revenue expansion, the acquisition will immediately increase 5M Plus's TAM by more than a third. Furthermore, we will be applying Azure's competencies beyond space and toward much larger markets, which are currently yearning for new solutions. We will have much more to say about this in the months ahead. We're now ready to take your questions. Thank you. Merci. Mesdames et Messieurs, si vous avez des questions, s'il vous plaît, appuyez sur étoile suivie par le 1 de votre clavier téléphonique. Si vous souhaitez de vous retirer, s'il vous plaît, appuyez sur étoile suivie du 2. Un moment, s'il vous plaît. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the 1 on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press the star followed by the two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from David Ocampo with Cormark Securities. Please go ahead. Uh, thank you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. AJ, I appreciate the, the commentary on, on the Samsung contract and, and, and indicating that it'd be you know longer term in nature. But can you walk us through kind of that near-term opportunity? Can we expect something you know similar to what you guys saw in 2020 when one of your customers uh, ramped up their fleet for the for their qualification campaigns? Is that something that we can see as well for Samsung in 2022 or 2023? Uh, good morning, David. I, I won't comment specifically to any name, uh, especially customer name. What I will tell you though is that uh, yes, indeed, we. Um, as mentioned in, in, in the monologue, uh, this, these were demands supported by um, uh, initial fleet of devices that needed to be built for regulatory approval. Uh, we have projects with not just uh, that individual that, that individual company, but others. We expect uh, uh, in the short term to have those types of campaigns. Can we time them and tell you when? No, we can't. 
Uh, I should mention, as I said in my text, that anyhow, from the compound side, uh, we continue to see growth for, for the 2.6 material, and we continue to see, which, which basically is an indication that that market is continuing to progress well. So from the compound side, in the short term, we, should, we do expect growth, um, but the larger revenue units are on the engineered wafers. On those, uh, we do expect more demand from whether that individual customer or others uh, uh, for, for their campaigns to build up. But uh, the caveat is we cannot tell you the timing by definition because it comes from them essentially. Okay, that's helpful. And I just wanted to circle back on, on the comments you made about shedding some of that commoditized revenue and, and moving into more into specialized semis. Is that going to take you guys divesting certain assets, or how sh how should we think about that comment that you made? Well, um, so as as some of you may recall, uh, in like in 2016, I would tell you when you would look at 5N plus and say, okay, how much of the the, the revenue is is advanced materials? I would put the number, depending how you quantify it, to 10 to 20 percent. I would say. That would be as a percentage of revenue. Um, last year, this number uh, was probably more in the uh, in the 40s, and uh, and in the future, in the I would say in the next uh, few years, we're looking uh, to get this to probably upwards of 70 to 80 uh, percent. And and by the way, and I know you didn't ask this question, but I think it's worth mentioning. During this time, I remember analysts asking us a number of times, uh, you're not growing revenue. We were saying, well, in a way we are because our value added, our you know, advanced materials is, is what was, uh, was essentially penetrating and growing. Uh, so going forward, I think the vast majority of that growth will come from, it's going to be between the uh, organic initiatives. Organic initiatives, as I said, will take a bit of time. I, I want to make sure that everyone understands. Uh, you know, these are startup businesses essentially, and those revenue units, the larger revenue units, are are a few years away. Uh, and then also M&A. Uh, does that mean that we may shed assets? Yes. Uh, you've, you've seen, for example, uh, we announced uh, the closure of of one of our facilities. Uh, as we continue to consolidate, uh, build uh, economies of scale, uh, when it's opportune get out of certain businesses that 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 take our resources but don't necessarily give us appropriate returns yes we could we could you could see us exiting certain things yeah that's very helpful and one last one for me it's more maintenance question for richard how should we be thinking about capex as we head into 22 uh, especially with azure in the fold and 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 you guys developing out their product mix into into other areas Okay, well, so similar uh, similar um, uh, intention forward. We're going to be uh, keeping our capex slightly lower our depreciation rate, and that will be the same approach with Azure's uh, Azure's capex going forward. Okay. I think with Azure, you should give us a little bit of time to get in, because uh, everything we will tell you right now is really at the due diligence level, right? I mean, up, up until recently, all we've done is due diligence. I should say up until well, all we've done actually, not up until recently. Uh, and so, uh, from that perspective, what I see is 
Azure, part of the benefits that we have in the Azure deal is the condition of the deal was that they would have to get access to the full IP portfolio of wide band gap materials uh, and also do some upfront investments to be able to position for it. Uh, so uh, based on, on what we have been told and everything that we've seen, uh, that work has obviously been done. And so my initial expectation is that we will have to um, invest in Azure my expectation is it will be above the rate of depreciation, but not in the earlier phases because they've already done some investments, and we need to, uh, you know, we need to uh, make those investments uh, effective before we go ahead and add to it. So in the short term, based on our best visibility, what Richard said, longer term, I think as we go into these much larger markets, you should expect uh, investments. Okay, that's helpful. I'll hop back in the queue. Thanks, gentlemen. Your next question comes from Rupert Mirror of National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Now, with Azure, I know you said it's early days, and in the near term, you're going to focus on integration. Can, can you give us more color on what's involved in that integration process, and then any, any more uh, color you, you can give on what you think could be the priorities in the near term for new technology development or new uh, market development? Okay, so that's a fairly loaded question. I'll, I'll try to de-layer it. Let's first talk about Azure. Indeed, our first and foremost uh, priority once the deal is closed is, is integration. Uh, we are seeing, as I said earlier, that the space business seems to be beginning to climb and it's up cycle, it, as many of you know, it is a cyclic uh, business. And uh, at least everything we see from Azure indicates the same thing. So I think our focus uh, there is going to be uh, initially, as I said, not just making sure the two companies uh, can come together in a meaningful way. And I think, by the way, the fact that Azure is, operates on only one site, it has 200 and 40 employees on one site in Heilbronn, Germany, which is near city of Stuttgart, it makes it a lot easier. Those of you that have been involved in these kind of initiatives know that the non as the sites grow, so does the complexity. Um, so um, we, our initial priority there is going to be also to really integrate our, what we call the semiconductor triad. Um, we, as you recall, we've got Montreal that is world-renowned for its uh, activities in semiconductor compounds for, for uh, 2.6, semiconductor materials. We've got St. George that uh, utilizes essentially those compounds to grow crystals, and now we'll have Azure that could use those, uh, some of those substrates and grow epitaxy, grow crystals of, uh, uh, through epitaxy, uh, semiconductor crystals on it, and, and make uh, calibrated and tailor-made uh, uh, devices, or I shouldn't say devices, cells for uh, chips and cells for, uh, for, for uh, final customers. Uh, so that integration goes beyond people. It goes beyond being able to have those processes, those production systems, uh, the stream of innovation to really latch on and, and really get nicely connected. And, and that, that's really important because if we're successful there, 
we're going to make 1 plus 1 equal 3, not 2. So that's, that's, um, uh, that's the uh, key focus. Now, you asked about new technology, what, like what, what will be our area of focus. Uh, as I mentioned, I think I, I won't belabor it. Uh, the whole area with sensing and imaging is really our bellowick. It's, it's our core. Uh, why? Because it's got uh, two six semiconductors have one application in medical imaging, but it's got another uh, set of applications in, in, in security sensing and imaging uh, in infrared or in, in various uh, detectors. Um, we see this area to really become more and more of a focus for the future when you look at how various industries are developing. So this will be a notable area. Um, the other area of focus is going to be wide band gap materials, uh, and this is through Azure. Uh, why? Because this is, this is what's going to increase our TAM. Okay, so these two initiatives by themselves will be a notable uh, uh, escalation for us in terms of total addressable market. On the pharma, uh, health uh, and pharma products, we've got a very good core that is doing quite well. Um, what we've got to do is build on this core. Uh, I, I really believe that we've got something there. And uh, the, the caveat is I, I don't think we can do that all organically. Uh, not to the extent that we did with semiconductors. If you look at our semiconductor business, you see we've done a lot of things organically, but now we've engaged M&A. On, on pharma, I believe we will have to engage M&A uh, uh, more aggressively than, than, uh, than in the past. So, so those would be the priorities that I would put forth at this point. Great. Thanks for the color. And then uh, secondly, on the logistical challenges, you talked about one and a half million of increased costs uh, in the quarter. Do you have a view on, on how much of that is, uh, could be transitory, how much could be permanent? And, and can you uh, also maybe make some comments on other places you could be seeing inflation? For example, we're hearing uh, from other companies about, uh, about pressure on, on wages. Just wondering if, if you're seeing that too. Um, sure. So, so on on the 1.5 million, I think it would be worthwhile to say that the majority of that was uh, was freight, uh, and a smaller portion of that was consumable. That being said, so so the way we we look at it is freight is uh, is the one that will come down quickest. I think uh, there has been a surge. Uh, there's you know, a few. You look at the supply chain. Uh, some of the containers are are, are even misplaced. They're, they're, they're more of them are on this side of the ocean versus the other side of the ocean type of thing. So these things will reach equilibrium, we believe, faster. We believe that number will will go down much faster. So that's definitely transitory. Consumables, consumables, uh, they go up today for us. At least the explanation. Most of them is na natural gas prices in Europe. Uh, so we expect those also to to uh, reach equilibrium, albeit we expect that to uh, reach equilibrium slower than freight. Um, in the meanwhile, what we've done is we've really expanded our uh, capabilities in terms of improving our production processes, relying on less of these materials, uh, and also on the labor side, uh, like the investments we made in Europe actually automated 
uh, a good portion of our, our pharmaceutical plants, uh, which, which bode, bodes well on the labor side of things. Um, at this point, if, if I were to project, my expectation is I think what we'll see is for consumables to be a little bit persistent. I think that will carry into next year. I think that might actually be more than what it was this quarter. Uh, the freight, I expect freight to, to, to start coming down. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if that happens. And then on the labor, uh, thus far, it has not been a huge impact for us, uh, but we're monitoring that. And, and on the freight, how much of that would be on raw materials versus finished goods? And, and how much can you bring that down by just uh, adjusting, say, your, your sources or, or the methods of, uh, of shipping? By, by default, we do a lot of our transformation in Europe and North America. So, so raw materials and, and WIP will probably be the, the biggest part. All right, great. I'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from Michael Glenn with Raymond James. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, good morning. So, AJ, just circling back to the space market, you're talking about uh, a potential move up in a, in an up cycle. Can you remind us uh, what the total addressable market is for space with five and plus right now? I'm excluding Azure from that, of course. Uh, but what that looks like, and you know, just trying to get a sense of what that might mean from a top line perspective. Uh, sure. So I'll, I'll actually try to give you both of those TAMs on on what we do today, which is primarily at, uh, at engineered substrates, meaning wafer levels, is it, the total addressable market has declined over since 2014 as it's gone into its down cycle. Uh, we estimate it somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 35 million uh, dollars. Um, and, and a lot of this is because the decline is because um, the large primes uh, in the past would launch big satellites, uh, maybe 25, 30 of them in a year. These are as big as a school bus, let's say, which would utilize a lot of material, a lot of uh, engineered substrates. Um, that trend over the past few years have changed. These large primes have been really looking at uh, how how that, that that industry is changing because that industry uh, uh, also had another approach which you see for example with SpaceX and OneWeb and others a lot of small satellites much thousands of them but smaller and it looks like that approach is going to become a hybrid there will be some of these big uh, satellites but there's going to be a whole host of those little ones and so when we now look at the TAM from uh, from not just what we provide, but what we will be providing through Azure, which is actually solar cells for space, that TAM expands to north of 120 million uh, today. And uh, you then have to look at it. We expect that number to grow fairly, uh, fairly nicely as, as, as space goes through its up cycle. Okay. And then thinking about 5M Plus, and again, just you know, versus um, what the company was offering as a, as products in the previous upcycle, and versus what would be available. And again, just you know, not not referencing Azure there, but has there been any 
internal product development on the space side that would allow you to capture additional market share or additional TAM in this upcycle? Uh, the short answer is yes. Uh, if you look back to some of our press releases, you'll see that we announced certain uh, packages of investments and uh, and uh, even uh, subsidies that we received to really bolster our products and our processes. Uh, and uh, as I think I mentioned earlier, over the past two years, we've done quite a bit of that. We've uh, um, we, we've definitely upgraded uh, our processes, our products. Um, Without naming customers, I can tell you we now have a much, much more, uh, a stronger order book than what we did before, uh, and we have more names in that order book. That was the other thing is we, we relied on, on, uh, on very select lists. Now we've got a, a larger list in, in, our, in our supply base. So the reason why uh, I am uh, I'm positive on this is because uh, our products and processes have improved. A lot of that cost you have not seen because it's been essentially subsidized. Um, on top of that, those benefits are showing at the customer, and the proof of that is the fact that our order books are quite, quite strong, and we now have uh, more customers on that list. That would be the proof. And to try to characterize what you're seeing, could this start to come in during t next year, 2022, in a in a notable way on the revenue line, or would it be something longer dated? So I, I do expect. Uh, remember, uh, uh, we just talked about the TAM. It's not a huge revenue uh, generator. It is. Anytime you go into semiconductors, obviously margins are are the interesting, more interesting than I would say revenues. Um, uh, for next year, we do expect notable growth. Now, I'll be a little bit conservative. Every time, uh, just my my experience, every time I see a fab shop having to upscale substantially, and that's what we're uh, planning for, you 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 ha you go through teething problems. Uh, we saw that if uh, you may not have been involved, but a couple of years ago with India Mantamanite when all of a sudden we had a much larger demand, we went through a period of uh, difficulty in order to scale it. So uh, the good news is the order book is very strong. It suggests a notable increase for next year. Uh, the cautious note is that we need to make sure we the, the teething issues need, need to be minimized. I would just put a caveat. Okay, uh, and then just on Azure, with the transaction closing shortly, when when you announced it, you indicated a price range 73 to 79 million euros. Are you able to give an indication where that might fall into at this point in time? Uh, it should. Um, it should. It should uh, fall to uh, now within that range, uh, potentially the lower part of that range. Or part of the range. Okay. Uh, I don't okay, think it's going to be anymore, right, Richard? I think no. you can safely say that yep. it's we're well protected with that. Okay. And and it's still it's still six and a half million shares that get issued as part of the purchase price. Yes, it is. And have you indicated a price at those on those? 
Now, the way the way the the, the transaction is structured, um, it's a fixed number of shares that will ultimately be issued on the day that we do the closing. So, so uh, we will be providing you with colors on that as soon as the deal closes. Yeah, we'll we'll give you, uh, uh, um, you know, you'll have a lot more accurate information. We just please uh, understand we're just. We're in the process of closing the deal. But but if you want an estimate, you can use today's share price, and then you'll be fairly close to it. I think so. And 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 the other thing you should know is at the time that we were uh, negotiating the deal, the share prices were within a certain range, and we've protected for that. Meaning uh, uh, there's a fixed mechanism there that protects our uh, our uh, the equity contribution on this. So there's a bit of a protection mechanism there, uh, which enables us to keep the whole the whole deal at a finally at a at a certain range of pricing consistent with what we've communicated in the past. The, or just 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 I'm mean, saying it in, in different words. The the final purchase price is not determined on a, on the on a on the the price of our shares. There's a range. It's within a range of our share price. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Thanks for my taking. I'm on. sorry. I, I want to make sure this point is well understood, Michael. Uh, uh, so, so you, you're clear on on the message we're sending, yes, on this? I uh, yeah. I, I I understand the ins and outs. I wanted to just try to get an update to see if you if you had some of the numbers uh, more definitive at this point in time. You will have those numbers uh, uh, fairly soon. Thank you. Your next question comes from Frederick Tremblay with Desjardins. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was wondering if you could give a bit more color on um, on the better than expected demand in Alpen Farm in the quarter, as well as uh, you know, are you seeing any secular trends in that market that would lead you to be uh, to think about uh, M&A more? Aggressively in that uh, that health and pharma uh, market. Sure. Um, as you recall earlier, I said um, in 2016 our advanced materials accounted for something like 10 to 20 percent. Uh, part of that was actually a, a budding, a a much smaller, let's say, health and pharma, and and we've actually seen continued increase uh, in that market for us for for the materials. As you know. We are the world's largest producer of bismuth-based pharmaceutical advanced API, advanced pharmaceutical ingredients, uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients, I should say. Uh, and so uh, a lot of that has, has, has continued uh, to grow. Uh, I think it would be worthwhile to mention that uh, we, we also w were involved in additive business a few years back. We're continuing to see uh, positive momentum there. That also has has, uh, has helped uh, certainly grow the revenue in that sector. Um, but from where we stand, uh, a lot of our active pharmaceutical ingredients are still based on uh, precursors that have some level of minor metals in them, whether it be bismuth, cobalt, I don't know. Uh, or others, or you know, uh, iodine, or what have you. Uh, and so, what we have the capabilities when, when, when you look at our pharmaceutical activities, uh, 
or FDA approved, uh, GMP certified. Uh, we're going through all the motions that a, a small pharmaceutical company would go through that we haven't really applied it to a larger scale. So coming back to your question on MNA, uh, what we're trying to do is latch that ability onto a much, if we can, much larger market, small molecules, for example, APIs, and see if we can really utilize those competencies across a much revenue base. Uh, and so that, that's really been the core of, of our activities over the past months. Okay. And, I mean, with Azure closing soon, would you say that uh, I mean, you already have appetite to to close additional acquisitions, or do you expect to take a bit of a pause there as you integrate Azure and, and reduce leverage? Or I think I think that later uh, in the latter part of your statement, I think our immediate focus, as you all know, uh, M&A, that a critical part of M&A is integration. That that's what uh, makes it or breaks it. I think we're going to be shifting to really integration mode. That's going to be priority number one make sure everything uh, gets buttoned up uh, properly. Uh, and we'll continue to run our M&A pursuit in the background. Uh, there is no announcements that I have right now that I can share. But we do have resources dedicated to that. So we're scouting background. Yes, indeed. Makes sense. And just last question for me, given the global supply chain constraints that we're seeing, um, I guess any comments on your inventory position and comfort with uh, your supply of materials would be helpful? We don't have issue uh, with getting goods. It's the cost of moving them and, and, and the conversion cost because of the consumables, but but we have no issue in terms of uh, getting goods, buying buying the goods and other things we need as part of our business. Well, it's really the movement and uh, the consumables, so the, trans the cost of transforming. The, the easier way I can... Uh... The easiest way I can I can uh, paint a picture is you have a choice right now in today's market in today's environment with all the challenges you can get your goods if you're willing to pay uh, a bit extra uh, so you know recognizing that we're revenue focused we want to serve this demand and by the way our customers rely on us our reputation. Uh, you know, for being reliable, we certainly would not want to, uh, uh, we want to be, you know, we want to come to their aid in this time. Uh, we've, we've obviously chosen, uh, you know, the, the former as, a, as an option, as, 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 you know, we are paying three to five times more on logistics to make sure uh, that, that we, uh, uh, you know, we have the things in place at the time that is needed. Great. Thank you. Your next question comes from Nick Agostino with Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Uh, yes, uh, good morning. Um, Richard, if I could ask when on the question with regards to the pricing for Azure, you, you indicated probably towards the lower end of the initial range. Can you maybe, guys, can you just comment on how Azure's business has been doing uh, since you announced the transaction back in, I believe it was February, if, if, if the business is performing as per expectations or, or better or worse than, than initially thought? Yeah. So if you compare um, where they at this year and you compare that to the uh, same time last year, they actually, um, they actually have a bit more sales and profitability is in a similar range or slightly higher. So uh, we see 2021 as, uh, I'm not, 
I don't want to use the word replica, but 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 a similar pattern, uh, with but with slightly better sales and slightly better uh, profitability. I think okay, when, you, when you look at the also the uh, pipeline, at least based on everything. And, and yeah, know. and they continue to carry a solid backlog. Okay, so 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 what we expect to get at closing is a company uh, that that is performing as expected and as per our uh, due diligence exercise. Okay, appreciate that. And then um, just looking at your renewable energy business, uh, yeah, it looks like the, the revenue contribution was was lower, and, and I believe, AJ, you've already talked to that. Can you guys comment about how um, a lower tellurium price in the quarter, if that had any benefit to you guys when it comes to the margin around that specific piece of business? If that's what you saw, um, just any color there? Uh, so, so if we look at the renewable energy business, as we've said before, a portion of that business, a good portion of it, is is on on a fixed pricing basis. Um, and so, as obviously as prices go up, uh, the margin gets impacted, uh, and and uh, the revenue doesn't necessarily change, okay, uh, because it's a fixed price. And as the prices go down, again, revenue necessarily doesn't change, and uh, and uh, it improves your margin. Uh, but when we look at when, to address your specific questions, as you know, there is also a lag time that comes with it. So, like, uh, because we're not, you know, you've got a global supply chain around it, and you know there, there there's a wick that's going through. Uh, and so the pipeline carries a certain value. That value over the past uh, months has gone up, but I, I believe uh, we're beginning to see now tellurium has gone down. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, by like 15% or so, 15, 20%. And so we expect uh, that that to also go. Uh, if, if the trend continues the way it's continuing to to, to normalize for us. Okay. Yeah, that was, that was the color I was looking for. Now when you talk about a lag. Is that one quarter, two quarters? Uh, I, I would go with two. Okay. Okay. And I guess my, my, my last question, I just want to make sure I, I'm, uh, I, I understood this. I believe in your press release, and I'm not sure if this was asked or talked about earlier, but I believe in your press release you talk about possibly some, some pricing increases to help offset some of the inflationary costs that you, you've talked about before. Um, if, if, if you're going to put those pricing increases through, is that something you've already started to implement? Maybe what's the timing of that implementation? Um, what, what scale you're anticipating? Is it going to be across the board, all, all customers in all sectors, or is it going to be selective and do you anticipate Possibly some some pushback with with some customers or some some type of response. So um, we have begun that work. Indeed, we are looking to increase our prices to reflect because because um, um, because the logistical issue, for example, or even some of the consumables, really um, is somewhat ubiquitous, uh, and so it needs to be addressed holistically. Now, as I mentioned. Uh, we've got a mix of uh, the way you should think of it is the fixed contracts uh, 
are very hard to open up and, and, and renegotiate on those because, you know, if the whole concept of fix is, well, you know, if, if there's benefit, it's yours. If it's not, it's also yours. So it's going to leave us, we'll still try on some of those um, because we think we should still. We've got enough fundamental, uh, but, but mainly our focus is to, to create some value is going to be on the shortened spot side of things. Uh, there, it's going to be across the entire business. So there's no, like, I, I wouldn't tell you it's in one business is more than the other. Um, um, clearly, eco-friendly will have a lot more Im uh, impact because, because the, 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 the tonnage of material that moves is larger. It's, uh, uh, and and we're talking about logistics here also and, and some of the consumables. So, so that's where we're going to put a lot of our focus. In terms of impact, and our success, um, please give me a little bit more time. We've just begun. Uh, I shouldn't say just. We actually started probably five, six weeks ago. Um, these things require negotiations. We we see on the on the on the spot stuff. It's we're, we're that's beginning to actually happen. Is there pushback? Absolutely. Uh, everybody is is under the pinch, and it's uh, it's uh, everybody's you know it's it's sort of everyone's trying to do their best in this. Um, and so I think in spot and and short term we have we have pretty good leverage. Uh, I think where our leverage dies down is more on the long term stuff. Okay, great. Appreciate that uh, that color. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Merci. Il n'y a plus de questions à ce moment. We have no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Thank you. I would like to thank everyone for attending the call. Have a nice day. Bonjour à tous. Mesdames et Messieurs, ceci conclut votre appel conférence aujourd'hui. Merci pour votre participation. Veuillez s'il vous plaît déconnecter votre ligne. Merci. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Is your wallet a little lighter than usual after the holiday season? Consider it money well spent because you deserve to live your best life and the Chime Checking Account wants to help you live yours to the fullest. A little extra money goes a long way, which is why the Chime Checking Account has tons of benefits that millions of members love, like fee-free overdraft up to $200 for eligible members, no monthly fees, and access to over 60,000 easy-to-find and fee-free ATMs. You even get paid up to two days early with direct deposit, all while managing your money on the go, including sending and receiving money fee-free with friends that aren't even on Chime. Sign up for Chime today for you and your wallet. Get started at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Access to direct deposits up to two days early depends on the timing of the submission of the payment file from the payer. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply.
Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.